Hey there listeners, it's Squidge and Nomad, and today we're going to celebrate a very special occasion. That's right, Squidge. Can you believe it's been 24 years since the release of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis? Time flies faster than a Panic Stars member running from Nemesis. And speaking of Nemesis, remember that iconic line, Stars? Like he's inviting you to a sinister game of tag. You know, I wonder if he ever shouts other game suggestions. Duck Duck Nemesis or Hide and Seek Stars? <laughs> well, whatever the case, today we're diving into the world of Raccoon City, Zombies and the Relentless Nemesis. Jay's in the hot seat and today it's our job to try and convince Jay to play more than 10 minutes of the original. So let's grab your green herbs and let's get ready to waffle about a game that made our hearts race faster than a survivor encountering Nemesis in a tight corridor. That's right, let's brace ourselves to give Jay stars and start the show. From active time battling to zombie slaying, Waffling Tailors covers video games and beyond. In this episode, we are joined by Nomad from the Retro Wildlands podcast to talk about Resident Evil 3 Nemesis Anniversary. We cover everything from the surprising uses of spam, Nemesis dropped by his remorse, to looking fabulous in a zombie apocalypse. So without further ado, sit back, grab some snacks, and get ready for this episode entitled Resident Evil 3 Anniversary Traffic Jam Burrito. Enjoy! Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Waffling Tales. This is not a light version today, Jay is actually with us, who'd have thought? So um, how this is going to go is I'll do real quick introductions, we've got a couple of announcements then we'll get straight into it. So, the voice you're hearing is mine, I'm sorry about that. My name is Squidge, I'm one of the co-hosts of Waffling Tales, the anthropomorphic werewolf that has a police job in the RPD, as you do. Um, proud owner of the Resident Evil board game. I just thought I might throw that in. I'm quite excited. I haven't played it yet, but still. Um, with us, as always, he is here. He is my bro. He's sexy and he knows it. It's Jay. Make some noise, my friend. Did I? Did I? Make some oh, more okay. noise. More noise. Yeah. More noise! Noise! Nice. More bows, please. I will destroy you! Anyway, so, are you good? Are we, are we, are you, are you good? Your, your head we, is nice and shiny. Are we doing Futurama bits? That. Is, is that what we're doing? We're doing that, Futurama that bits? Because I can do, Galgolan is in the room. You know, that kind of thing. It's, it's not we good. should get Calculon on the show. Yeah. I've only just realized Calculon is not just Bill Shatner, but he's also a little bit of Christopher Walken as well. With the way, with his delivery of words, like his cadence. But there you go. No one can see me move in the darkness. Oh, my favorite line from his is, Mr. Beck, this is not a fridge. So, you know, know, that's 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 the film with him and The Rock. Um, that's my favorite line. It's the only line I can do of his. So we are joined by a guest, and I will give him, after, I intro- after he introduces himself, if he wants to give a quick cheeky plug, he can. So, guest, my friend, my co-conspirator for today, would you please introduce yourself? Gentlemen, this is Nomad speaking. How are you two doing today? 
I have to say this 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 introduction right here is probably uh, uh, easily top three. I don't know if I can top any of that, but I will say I'm very happy to be here again. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> very caffeine fueled this intro. I will Indeed. Say. Yeah, very very caffeine fueled. <laughs> so, Nomad, my friend, are you ready for this? Hundred percent. I have been waiting with bated breath, as they say. Uh, Nomad, could you tell us about your podcast? Yes. Yeah. Cheap plug, go for it. Oh, I love cheap plugs. Cheeky They're my plug. favorite. Cheeky plugs, go for it. <laughs> so, so I have a podcast. It is called The Retro Wildlands. And in this podcast, I myself play retro games either for the first time or I go back and play them again when I used to play them when I was a child. And the idea behind the podcast is I just want to immerse you in the experience of that game. Whether you've played it before, you'll get a nice hit of nostalgia as I take you down memory lane. Or if you've never played the game before, you'll know what it is that it's all about in case maybe you want to play it someday. Uh, my podcast is on all the major services. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all the big ones. I have a link tree that sounds cool, so I made one. Uh, you can go to linktr.ee forward slash retro wildlands, and it'll take us to uh, all of my socials, Facebook, Instagram. I'm just running around in the wildlands everywhere on the internet. So that's how you can find me. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you guys join the expedition. Honestly, I don't know why, but when the minute you mentioned Linktree, I just imagined your faithful um, K9 companion peeing all over it. I don't know why. Uh, he 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 he's done that. He's quickly to he he's quick to own things. So yes. <laughs> okay, right. So a few announcements. First of all, after you did that awesome cheeky little plug, Nomad, my friend. The time of year that it is. Do you want to tell us what's so special about today? Today, I celebrate my 39th year on this planet. It is my birthday. Fantastic. Woohoo! Happy birthday, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome, sir. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, no, it's, it's, a it's a pleasure. This might not be my best birthday gift all day, but it's a pretty good one. I'm kidding. You guys are awesome. <laughs> sweet sweet it's always good to know always good to know it validates my very fragile yet very fleeting ego to hear stuff like that um so here we go the second announcement <laughs> so to, uh, the the day that this is going to be released is what i refer to as resident evil 3 day this is going out on september 28th i would say daylight it's already scorched my eyes that's why i had to close the curtains Lord, it's very bright here. So today is Resident Evil 3 day as of release. Well, not. It's classic Resident Evil 3. It's what mentioned in the game. I actually released like a week before. So this is going to be the 20 year anniversary of the release of Resident Evil 3 for the PS1. Can you, tell, can you tell I've done research? Yeah, I've done all the research <laughs> in the world, all 10 minutes of it. Um, and I say that. I haven't. Um, so... It's going to be Resident Evil 3 day, and it, it came to an idea that maybe we should, I don't know, ask Jay about his experiences with Resident Evil 3, but, but, watch out, a, a wild alert appears. What we've decided to do is, first of all, I've decided that I know how the soundboard works, so you're in trouble. What we've decided to do is co-conspire against Jay, stick him in the hot seat, me and Nomad 
are going to be hosting the show. Oh, yeah. So you've been warned. That's all I'm saying. Jay, you've been warned. <laughs> right? Help me. Help me. Don't send help. Send him bacon. It'll be fine. Yeah, this will be perfectly fine, Jay. Just sit back, relax, and be slightly terrified. I'm okay with that. That's fine. <laughs> slightly. I love it. Slightly. <laughs> Seriously. Don't 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 set him up like that. It's just evil. He has no idea what's in store. A, a, a resident evil? Huh? Oh. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no magic segues run out of battery power. Um <clears throat> so <laughs> Go charge you up. Uh, <laughs> it's a good way to start a podcast, isn't it? So, Resident Evil 3. Let's start with the questions already. I, I, yes. I should have done that in a Zoyberg voice, but my tongue would fly off the roller. So, Jay, before we talk yes. about the remake, before we talk about the remake, I've really screwed that up, haven't I? All right, so, right. Jay, before we talk about the original, let's talk about what people refer to as the remake. What was your opinion when you eventually played it of uh, the three mech? So here's the thing, right? I knew going in that it wouldn't be uh, the same kind of experience as the Resident Evil 2 remake, um, which was totally fine because, like, hmm. in in the twenty, the very short twenty years between the Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 2 remake the technological advances and I'm a developer so I'm kind of part of the, the very small part of, part of yeah, those, your fault. Uh, te- technology yeah it's all my fault um, those technological advances were astounding right I, you know I remember playing and and it was the dead of night I'm in my basement which is my office and I've got the lights off and you know I'm running around and all of a sudden there's like instead of the of the original right that's like the tinny original so that was a, a harrowing experience not as much as and there's an earlier episode we can link to in the show notes when it when the second when the remake of the second game first came out we did a few short episodes about your experiences squidge as you were playing through the game mm-hmm. and i remember you saying about um having uh, a bit of an anxiety attack when mr x first shows up and stuff like that and it's chasing you around well, um, nightmare was which wonderful. is yeah, exactly right, and and that's totally that's totally a thing and totally fine. And I knew I had played the second remake, and when it came around to playing remake for the third one, the three remake, I guess, um, I knew it was not going to be the same going in because the original was not the same going in. Uh, but I kind of enjoyed it. I do have a few niggles with it though, though. I remember, and it's not the game itself; it's the hardware I was using to play it. So I was playing it on PC hmm. on Windows. Uh, I'm usually a Linux on the desktop kind of a chap, but I was playing it on Windows because I was like, the the only way I'm going to get it to run properly is on Windows, um, and it's made for Windows. So let's do this. And I was using. I'm holding up for the camera so that folks, so that uh, Squidge and Nomad could see, uh, but obviously you all can't. I'll put an image in the in the show notes. I was using an 8-bit do SN30 Pro. Uh, I think that's what it's called, yeah, SN30 Pro Plus, which is a wonderful Bluetooth controller. It even has, like, vibration motors and everything, right? Works with all my different operating systems, works with my Switch, works with all sorts. The problem was, is uh, there's this part where you're being chased down a set of stairs outside in um, the uh, in Raccoon City, 
and I seem to remember both Nemesis and a rolling donut, ro- like a, a, a big, like it's fallen off of the building and it's rolling down. It's doing yeah. the Indiana Jones bit, uh, chasing you down the stairs. The problem with this was that obviously at that point the controller is vibrating and you've got to run down the stairs and then pivot right and run down a, 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 an alleyway. And I died about 15 times on that bit because what happened was in the controller, something to do with the firmware, something to do with the motors, I don't know, it would vibrate that much that it would stop responding. And so I'm going, turn right, turn right. You're not turning right. Why are you not turning right? And it took about 15 attempts. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn off vibration for this bit and got around the corner. And then it was like, as soon as I got around the corner, it saved. So I just immediately dropped out of the game, brought it back up turn the vibration back on and jump straight back into it because <laughs> it's like now that we've done that bit we can immerse myself a little bit more but other than that, i thought it was great um i i fully understand and appreciate why a lot of people had experienced the resident evil 2 remake went to the resident evil 3 remake and went wait this isn't my resident evil you know hashtag not my resident evil but mm. i felt like a lot of those folks had come up through the the action the more action orientated Resident Evil games and Resident Evil 2 remake is a very action orientated it's a very it's it's more horror and survival horror but there are elements of the action stuff in there whereas yeah. I feel like and I might be way off the mark here but I feel like the Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 3 remake have always been more action than survival horror so there was this pivot to like sub- like pure survival horror with lots of action and then a pivot again for the three make back to action. But I feel like if they'd have gone, if they'd have gone the same way that they did with Resident Evil Two remake, it'd have done Resident Evil Three make badly, right? Because it's a remake of the third game, which was made by mm. you know the folks who weren't so so um, such big fans of survival horror. They wanted an action game rather than a survival horror game. Because as far as I'm aware, it was built using some of the tech that went on to make. Devil May Cry, is that correct? I maybe that's Resident Evil. I, think so, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, my background knowledge of Resident Evil is a bit uh, lacking, but yes, but yes, that that's my overall thoughts. It was a, a very good effort. You know, the problem is you're you're comparing what I think is a masterpiece of Resident Evil Two to what I think is a masterpiece of Resident Evil Three. It's like comparing the Mona Lisa to like Bohemian Rhapsody. They're both amazing, but in different ways, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's how I've I'll always let- seen Resident Evil Three, especially the remake too. That that action approach. It if you really step back and look at the original game and what they did with the remake, it it really makes sense. But I remember my same experience coming right off the Resident Evil Two remake and was completely blown away. And it was immediately like one of my top five games of all time. Survival mm-hmm. horror, excellent. But then you go into the three make. It's it's missing things. It's it doesn't quite have that magic, and you're thrust into this action-oriented type of game. And while I think it did well, paid homage to the original. I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Jay. That it, it, there was this kind of disconnect of sorts. Expectations were a little mixed, but yeah, I, I experienced the same. I get a distinct feeling that if they added in the same amount of backtracking as the original and extended it by like an hour or so I mean they, they took a few areas out as well you know clock tower you will be sorely missed um, but if they added a bit more backtracking because if anyone knows about the original the amount of backtracking was put in there on purpose see the book Itchy Tasty which is a fantastic read that'll give more background into it um, really good book to read if you ever get a chance um, but yeah it's you know, it, you're right. It's apples and oranges. You can't really compare. It's it's apples and landmines. You can't really compare to them, can you? 
<laughs> Both very useful. One's a tasty <laughs> snack. And one's a very tasty snack, and the other one's an apple. So, what I wanted to ask you, Jay, is you kind of touched on them a little bit, but I wanted to dive in a little deeper. What parts about the remake really stood out to you as memorable? Was it a specific set piece? Was it a game mechanic? What really etched itself into your mind? So, what I really liked, and I I saw a lot of discourse about this at the time that it came out, was... Uh, and there's a lot of people saying that progressively as you play through the Resident Evil games you play less and less of Raccoon City right? there's less of it to play through right? Resident Evil 2 didn't have very much of it because you were outside for 5 minutes and then you're inside right? The Resident Evil 2 remake has loads of like you're outside of Raccoon, uh, you're outside of the police department and then you know you have to go mm. over to the, uh, the, uh, the orphanage and all this kind of stuff right? there's, there's loads of stuff in it but um, a lot of people were saying there's not much of Raccoon City to run around in um, and I totally get that um, it's a little disappointing but uh, I think like you'd said Squidge uh, they took parts out of it for a reason right and most of mm. that reason is that um, you know parts were put into Resident Evil 3 to extend it Right? It was kind of artificially extended. How do we make this a little bit longer? Um, and if if memory serves, and we'll get onto it later, I suppose, I'm sure you've got a question about this. Uh, I never really played much of the original, but I felt like a lot of the original was, there's not much of Raccoon City to actually explore. There's a couple of labyrinthian streets that are connected and a couple of places you have to get to, which is kind of... I felt really well replicated in the remake, and I really liked that running around in uh, taking that that outside of the police department area of Raccoon City and expanding it so there's loads more of it. Yeah. I really liked that, and as uh, you know, I mentioned earlier on about the scene where the the donut or whatever is running down the stairs after you, Death rolling donut. down the stairs after you. Sorry, yeah. Um, I, I kind of disliked that in the remake, but not because of the remake itself, because of the controller I was using. Um, no. I, I really did like running around um, outside of of uh, in the uh, in the external environments in the outside of Raccoon City, just because th- there's there's so much of that there that we never got to see in uh, yeah. Resident Evil Two, and you know. I mean, do I do I dare bring up the the first person shooter version, a game that was released, a third person action game that's like non canon, you know that squad based one. I can't remember what it's called. What, the, Operation Raccoon um, City. That's the one, right? The non canon one where you've got to chase mm-hmm. down Leon and Claire and you know all that kind of stuff. I mean, side story. Th- there's side story. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of like outside environments for that too but they weren't as that was more action oriented so you weren't really supposed to focus on the things you're running past um, whereas I feel like with all of the polish and the effort that was put into Resident Evil 3 Remake there was loads more for you to see now obviously hmm. I didn't spot the uh, I didn't spot any Resident Evil 4 posters in the remake like I did in the original which I'll come back to later hmm. if you want um but I think I think for me it's more the environments and just looking at what what Raccoon City actually looks like because this is a city that is falling to pieces and and I think that that from my perspective they really captured that like what would a 
a city that is falling to pieces based on a, a viral outbreak look like? And I say those words, I'm not going to mention the past three years, but, you know, what would it actually look like, right? <laughs> what would the end of the world look like if there was a viral outbreak and, and, and civilization fell to pieces? And I think we they did a, a fantastic job. Yeah, exactly, right? I think they did a fantastic job of that. I'm not sure I enjoyed the uh, the Nemesis remodeling because it looked kind of more like he was, like, melting. Um, and <laughs> I definitely feel like they used the I'll give you stars line way too early. Um, and I know that's a I, I love that you brought that up. If I, if I had one thing about this, this, this the remake that I dare I say despise was using that iconic line as a throwaway piece of dialogue, which even if she's in the middle of saying it and takes a punch to the face, she just stops saying it and the moment is gone. Unacceptable. Yeah. I'll yeah, give absolutely. you, give you what, what, what we're talking about. The, the, the one yeah. thing that I'm not a massive fan of in Resident Evil 3, and I made a point, uh, the 3 make, and I made a point of not using it very much, mainly because I forgot how, or forgot it was there, is um, the dodge mechanic. It always worked. Um, so the hours I put into the original, learning the exact timing and the prompts to use dodge, I was just, just no, no, I'm not going to use it on principle. And I struggled, but I didn't use it, and then occasionally I go, Oh, I'm gonna can roll. What the hell? So, you know, I, I was I was kind of annoyed that the dodge was way too easy to use. It's it's like a super combo attack to one button in Street Fighter. It's just not on. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt the same way. Half the time, I'd actually forgotten that that mechanic in the three make even existed. For as much as I played the original, and then it would happen, and I would just treat it as oh, a happy surprise, and I just <laughs> left it in the dust. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's one of those you, you end up just going, oh, uh, oh yeah, there is a dodge, and then you watch someone else playing, and they're dodging everything, not getting hit, surviving a lot better than you, and you're like, oh, no, no, just, just go away. <laughs> Play it without the dodge, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we move on, I, I did want to impress upon a little bit of what you were saying, Jay, of, of especially talking about Raccoon City as a whole. My my big thing about Raccoon City is having played the first and the second games, as a player, what I appreciated about the story building in Resident Evil is they made Raccoon City its own character, really. Even in the very first game, you never go to the city, but you see the newspaper clippings in the beginning that are from the Raccoon City Times or whatever mm. it was. Um, you know the city exists, you kind of learn a little bit about it, and then in Resident Evil 2, you're you're in there for a little bit, and there's more story and everything. By the time you get to the third game, it's its own character, and you have this mm. attachment to it. And then, like you were saying, Jay, now you get to really see it, especially in the in the in the remake in a lot more graphical detail and it really adds a character to it so I, I'm glad you brought that up too that really hit home for me as well yeah the uh, the, the city being its own thing I can completely understand I mean it, it, it kind of it's more real in a way because in Resident Evil 3 make before you get the tram going you're just in the city like the original, the first half of the game is just in the city, but it's more real because you have to like, you have to get the power back on and you have to reroute the trains. It's something that we wouldn't think about. If it actually happened, if the urban apocalypse happened, the internet would go down, power would go down, you know, we'd have to scavenge, it'd be like fallout with zombies, you know, that kind of thing. It just added that extra little bit of, I don't want to say believability, but a little bit of realism in a zombie apocalypse as it happens. Um, but, I, I 
yeah, the the city being its own thing. I also remember back in the day. This this is how old I am. I remember back in the day, um, the rumours and the speculation behind the Phantom Gate in Resident Evil Two. Oh, yes. If you did all these different things, the Phantom Gate it would change camera angle, and you saw Rebecca Chambers for some reason, or you could see her running for a fleeting moment, or you could go to a different part of the city, which was absolute shash. But just the speculation behind it and I won't even mention the Akuma fake which everyone fell for um, but yeah it's being its own thing being it's being a, a character in Resident Evil obviously later games Rackham City's not there but it's still it's always referenced it's always there it's one of those if you know you know you know slow nod to any other fan they understand they went through it the same as you you know <laughs> Just real quick though, Squidge, before anybody moves on, just to, in case folks haven't played the original Resident Evil 2, the Phantom Gate is the gate that is opposite the entrance to mm. uh, the Raccoon City Police Department, and there was this rumour that you could do something, and instead of the camera angle being one way around and showing you one side of the gate, it, uh, so from the outside of the gate looking into the courtyard, there was some rumour about you could have do some series of actions and the camera would swing around and lots of different things would happen, and things like that. All of it, like you said, absolute nonsense. But, yeah, you know, I, I should have was it's video game journalism in the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the double gate that you go through in the original Resident Evil Three to spark off your first encounter with Nemesis. That's the Phantom Gate. That's the one. Yep. Um, which was in like Resident Evil Outbreak as well, but I think the second one had the Resident Evil. Anyway, at the Raccoon City Police Department. So screaming on to the next question. Uh, this is a really quick one. Really quick question. So Jay, my man. Ah. Did you always die in the hospital to the hunters as Carlos, like I bloody did? In the in the three make? Mm-hmm. We're still going about oh, three make uh, at this point. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Um, it was that. Aside from the uh, the donut or whatever it is chasing me down the stairs, um, mm. the hospital was the most infuriating part for me because I constantly got lost, and uh, <laughs> it seems it seemed like the hunters would just spawn out of nowhere right in front of me in the middle of that leap that they do where they take out your head and kill you in one hit like I'd go around the corner and there it is it's already mid-air and I'm at a point where it's too close for me to actually hit the button to bring up the weapon and fire it and blow it out of the sky and stuff like that so I kept having to what I would do was I would back walk backwards around the corner so that I could then leg it back down the, the, the corridor I'd just come down and I would do that just regardless of whether I heard anything, just sort of like moonwalk my way around the corner and then run back to the corridor I was in and spin round and wait for a few seconds. And if an enemy appeared, blast it into the next world and then go to the next corner and moonwalk my way around it. That was my that was my winning strategy. Winning, right, in uh, in inverted commas. <laughs> uh, don't, don't be ashamed by that. I did practically the same kind of thing. I, I went into that section a little overconfident. Carlos had his assault rifle, and his mm. his dodge animation isn't a dodge. He'll actually riposte the enemy with a forward thrust, and if you can somehow land that on a hunter, it is very satisfying. But mm. I remember going down one of, one of the long hallways I remember, and I think you can look into like some either operating rooms or some offices, and you see a couple hunters just like lurking in there, and it's like, I, I, I got this. It's fine. They don't know I'm here. <laughs> to round a corner, open a door, and one's just staring at you, and you panic, <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I had the same troubles. It took a while to get used to what I needed to do, mm. but once I uh, backpedaled a little bit, took my time, 
It was good. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll modify a line that uh, CV11 used in one of his videos with Doom. He said, uh, I'll, so I'll modify it myself. Um, Hunters are always a problem. Apply grenade. If the problem persists, apply another grenade. You know? Sound um, advice. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, Jade, don't. When you're backpedaling Resident Evil 3, don't, don't. You know, it's what you need to do to survive. It's not just Cat Suit totally. Castlevania for Moonwalk swag strats are there for a reason. Right? <laughs> not just moonwalking upstairs. If you want to moonwalk away from Hunters and then blast their face off, go for it, because I know I did. Ironically. The only experience, because I always tried to go through it, it's like it's it's a short enough game you can try and go through without saving. So I tried because the auto saves there. It's the first time you come up with a hunter, you know, a long corridor. It killed me. I couldn't do anything. I, no matter how many times I tried, it get to me first, or I couldn't get a weapon up, or in my case, classic one, inactive reloading. I would reload instead of shooting. I do that in. That's a classic for me when I'm playing Brutal Doom and other games. I just got right, I'll have you. Oh, crap. Reload. Head chopped off. You know, to the usual. But it was it was always the first encounter with the Hunters. After that, I was super careful. And if I had them, I'd throw grenades around corners. Very, very useful are grenades in that game. Very underrated. I used them more in 3 Make than I did in Resident Evil 2 Remake. <laughs> Yeah, it just speaks to really... the hunter as a as a enemy character, really. As soon as you see your very first one, it changes how you play whatever section that they're in. You're more cautious. You think through your moves and things like that. And while the hunters can be very, uh, I'll say, agitating at times, they are very iconic, and you, you have to give them credit for that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go one step further. I'll uh, mirror what you said. Is Once you see the hunters, which are complete... <laughs> they are let's let's not mince words they are they're annoying and uh, the more annoying in the three make than the original the more annoying in the three make than the the actual frogs are in the original and they could insta kill you if you look at them funny they just take you out instantly which is annoying uh, but yeah we'll we'll, we'll get on to hmm? i was just gonna say i think that 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 speaks volumes about the hunters and how they're presented because I feel like it's every single Resident Evil game that they are in. They are they they are introduced in a slightly different way, but they're always introduced as this is quite literally the the most difficult thing you're about to face right now. Like I remember all the way back to the original original Resident Evil, and I know you've talked about this at length, Nomad. Like the very first time you meet a hunter, there's an entire cutscene that you know game stops. Mm. You will you will now pay attention, and you see first person it climbing up and running in and opening the door, and then it cuts back to the game, and it walks around the corner, and like go get, go ahead kill it. And you're like, what, 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 what? And if you don't react quickly mm. enough, that's when it dives at you and takes your head off, right? Yeah. And I think that, I think that Capcom, the directors or the game scenario planners or the writers or whoever, they, that's the one thing that they do consistently well throughout the entire series. Every time a hunter is presented, yeah, they are presented as this is the worst possible thing you can face right now. Also, good luck because you're going to die if you don't have that twitch ready to actually aim and fire you know good luck right <laughs> in the best possible way the directors but awesome <laughs> that is not out of context I love the directors it's just it's one of those they added it it was an escalation it was awesome but for the first time that's all anyone ever thinks really I was on very low health 
I'm gonna take my head off. I will get my revenge, etc. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> if in the three make you get the, you know, if you're lucky enough to complete it within the time, or you spend a little cash to get that rocket launcher. You know, revenge is always sweet. It's a dish best served with a rocket launcher. We need to change that phrase. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably written down in a in a in an ancient tome somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> Get ancient tomes, we should just change the Oxford Dictionary. Revenge. Just instead of a description, it's just best served with a rocket launcher. No description. <laughs> so Jay, I wanted to ask another follow-up question. So Having played the Resident Evil 3 remake, how did you like the story overall? Did you like how it played out? And when you think about the total runtime of the Resident Evil 3 remake, was it the right amount of time? Did it seem too short? Was it too long? What are your thoughts? So I'm I'm one of these who's like, um, I'm very happy for the story to play out in the time it takes for the story to play out, right? Um, as much as I love the standard JRPG story, which is, you know, a bunch of teenagers use the power of friendship to kill God. Um, I, I, <laughs> what I don't like about JRPGs is that there, is, there seems to be a lot of grind, and, and that's kind of accepted, right? You will grind to, to level up. There'll be loads of side quests for you to do, lots of character mm. development. Because the difference is that um, things with JRPGs, they're story-driven, right? You, you know, you're going to learn the mechanic of, right, this this enemy is an ice type, so I will use a fire attack against it. And once you've learned those mechanics, the game is essentially going to play itself, because you're playing it on autopilot. You're not playing a JRPG for um, the the battle mechanic. You're playing a JRPG to go on a quest to, 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 for a big uh, overarching story. Right? Squidge wants to interrupt me, so go for it, Squidge. Not playing it for the battle mechanic. Let's just hope Lulu never hears this episode. You'll never hear the end. Of that. <laughs> so I'm saying but, she will tear like, you a new one, and then a second new one. Yeah. But seriously, though, right? Um, you you <laughs> play a JRPG for the story, right? Because you're engrossed in the story. There's this deep character-driven narrative. Whereas, uh, you know, an action game, you boil it down to what it is, right? You don't play Call of Duty for the story, right? <clears throat> you're playing that to uh, get the enemy in the crosshairs and fire away right that's what you're playing call of duty for yeah exactly right you know press f absolutely (laughs) but um and in the same way you know you're you're not playing um a racing game for instance for the mechanics right if you if you are enjoying a racing game it's likely that you've got the mechanics down and you're wanting to unlock the next car or do the best in the race Mm. or something like that right you're not playing it for you may not be playing it for a story you may not be playing it for the mechanics you're playing it for that sense of achievement right you're not playing a puzzle game because you want to um to, because you're enjoying the act of doing the puzzles, you're playing a puzzle game for the dopamine hit of finishing the puzzle and actually unlocking the next step. For the and love so of Ruby I cubes. am very That's much what we play puzzle it, games for. Absolutely, <laughs> um, but but when when it comes around to a game with a story, I'm very much I prefer when when the when the writers of the story know right we have to get to this beat and this bit of the story is over right let's move to the next bit, and so. Um, again, it goes back to what I know of the original, because I think it, we'll come back to it, I'm sure, but um, I didn't get very far into the original because the, you know, there, there isn't a great deal of story to do, 
right? There's a lot mm. of backtracking and puzzle solving and blasting the enemies and stuff like that. But when you actually boil the story down, it's, you know, we need to get out the city. How do we get out the city? This is how we do it, right? Oh, we've done it now. That's the story over because our goal was to get out the city. So I, for, for the length of time that the game lasts, I felt like it was it was perfect for the story that they were trying to tell, right? The last thing you want is to be sitting and watching a movie, for instance, and you know it's an hour, it, there's there's 90 minutes of story, but the movie is two hours long because, oh, well, we'll have the character go into this room and have a conversation that's got nothing to do with the story. Maybe they're doing character bits, but maybe it's not a character-driven story, right? Um, I, you know, I've seen too many movies, too many TV shows, too, read too many room. books where... Yeah, right. Exactly, right. Where where, where the, the the story goes for too long because maybe they're enjoying telling the story, or maybe the writer just doesn't know how to get from section A to section B. And I, I genuinely felt like the Resident Evil Three make story was perfect for, like the length of it was perfect for the type of game it is. It's a it's an action oriented game. It's a game where you're going to get in, you're going to. Um, get all of the, the the endorphins and stuff and the, the adrenaline rush or should I say norepinephrine whatever right but the, the rush of oh my god I'm going to run over here I'm going to run over there get this thing shoot that thing ah I'm dead right that's what you want out of that kind of game and maybe it's because I'm getting older and because I have way more responsibilities and I can't play video games for very long but it felt like the perfect length for me I could I could sit through it in yeah, I could perhaps, if I knew the way to do it, I could sit through it in a, in a single session and not have to worry about, oh, all my responsibilities outside of video games are now piling up. Or I could sit through it in a, an hour at a time and get through it in a week, right? It's a you know four, five, six hour long story, done. I'm happy with that mm. because it's the perfect length for me. Now, maybe I'm not the target audience and I fully appreciate that people online were saying, wait, 60 bucks, 70 bucks for you know less than 10 hours? That's dreadful. But again, it's like you, I felt like part of that comparison was coming from the previous game, which is essentially two separate stories, which yeah. might be 10 hours each. So you're comparing twice as much game against half as much game, but they were priced at the same point. So maybe the pricing was wrong. I don't know. Hmm. Comparing to well, half I, so I think to answer your question, Nomad, <laughs> it was the perfect length for me. Sorry. <laughs> No, you're, you're, you're good, and, and I feel the same way, but it took me a little while to get there, just because having played the original and seeing the different things that I know that they omitted, the the clock tower set piece, and they mm. reworked what they had done with Carlos from a story and gameplay perspective, I, I felt almost cheated, more just because I wanted that full original experience, but having simmered on it a little bit, I came to the same conclusion, and... I don't think in the story of the three make there was a wasted bit of dialogue or cutscene. It all had a purpose. It advanced the plot and the story. I would have loved a little bit more character development, I think, but I think what they did was serviceable. It got the plot moving and got you to the end point. Because you're right, when you really think about the original Resident Evil 3, that's really all it was. You're in the city, get out of city. And that's pretty much it. There's some stuff sprinkled in there. But the remake fixed that a little bit. And I think a lot of that's overlooked because a lot of people just, mm. their expectations weren't quite aligned with what they thought they were getting. Those nostalgia glasses. Yeah. Absolutely. The, uh, <laughs> the, the three remake, I think I can I can add to that by saying, you know, um, the f with those fish things in the sewer. Uh, I'll add to that. Um, yeah, it didn't have 
Operation Majackal. I won't say mercenaries because that's the actual name of it, Operation Majackal. Which I was kind of disappointed at. They, they piggybacked Reverse and whatever the hell else it was with it, which I never played. I just, I don't do multiplayer games online. I, I don't need a 10 year old screaming at me that I'm a noob. I don't need that in my life to bother with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's good for what it does and as for as much flack as Resident Evil 3 gets, Jill gets praised. That version of Jill gets praised and it gets it gets all all the accolades in the world because she's more sassy, she's straight to the point, she is believable as someone who's very She doesn't believe anyone. She doesn't believe Carlos, she doesn't believe anyone. She's she's out to get out, she's trying to help. Brad's vindicated. I'm kinda happy about that. Um you know, old chicken heart, Brad. But you know, it, Resident Evil 3, or Resident Evil 3 Remake as a whole, it can't have been that bad considering they used the same Jill Valentine for Death Island, which I haven't watched yet. If it was that mm-hmm. bad, they'd have gone back to, like, original. Or they'd gone back to Jill that was in the the original remake before that was remade and remastered and remade and remastered again. So, it's not all bad. <laughs> It, I, I actually got my money's worth on day of release after I completed it. I did it two more times in the same day. <laughs> Spent the whole day playing it. So There you go. They've got other game modes too, difficulties, and there's a decent amount of unlockables in the remake as well. So I yeah. that's how I filled my time. The experience initially may have been short, but there was plenty to do if you wanted to give yourself an extra challenge. That completion yeah, is dopamine. I, I think that's that's the important thing to take away from the Resident Evil 3 remake is that sure the story from press start or press whatever new game to credits isn't as long as maybe other titles in the series but there's way more game there's like like you said there's there's unlockables there's slightly different modes there's you, you breeze past it but reverse right it wasn't everyone's cup of tea but there was an entire online multiplayer game based yeah. on packaged with that right regardless of whether it was everyone's cup of tea there was this other game packaged with it so yeah. effectively you're buying two maybe i'm becoming a resident evil 3 apologist here i don't know <laughs> <laughs> eh, be fine be fine be fine so now that you mention the original i've got a question for you oh i like questions they're very tasty so we're on about Resident Evil 3, the original now, on the PS1 or Dreamcast or PC version, pick your poison. I prefer the Dreamcast version just for the VMU telling you your, your health bar, but that's just me. You told me before you never played more than 10 minutes. Yeah. What the hell, man? <laughs> I think... So there's a, a couple of different factors involved in this and I will hand on my heart say that originally it was because it was so different to Resident Evil 2 like Hmm. you think about Resident Evil 2 when you take control of a character regardless of whether it's Leon or Claire right at the beginning of the game you have almost no supplies you're at the the site of a crash and an explosion and you have Hmm. to get from where you are to the police building through a set of labyrinthine corridors and, and, and back alleys and through buildings and stuff with almost nothing. Now you fast forward a year, you drop Resident Evil 3 into the PlayStation, you start it up, and depending on which mode you choose, you've got a machine gun with infinite ammo. And it's like, well, infinite, this is obviously no, yeah. different. <laughs> but yeah, alright, near infinite or whatever, right? It's, it's immediately different. 
and so that difference is one of the reasons I didn't I didn't enjoy playing more than 10 minutes of it the second bit is which I think is more important to me uh, but fits perfectly within the aesthetic and the the idea behind the game is I got lost I'm like where am I supposed to go I don't know where I'm supposed to go I don't know what I'm supposed to do like what's going on and and that to me uh, didn't make sense because Jill is a is lives in Raccoon City. Maybe all right. Mm. Okay, so she doesn't know every single street ever because she's not a beat cop and she doesn't walk the streets her entire life. But I'd have thought that part of the journey would be, oh right, okay, now I need to go left because when I turn, you know, when I get to fifty uh, sixth and eighth and I turn west, that takes me closer to RPD. But there's there's literally nothing. But then I suppose that fits with the original game. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm unjustifying my justifications, right? Because in the original game, when you first played that, you have no idea where you're supposed to go. You get told, go to the, the dining room, you come back from the dining room, go to the other side of the building, and you're left to your own devices. But I will then counter that counterpoint with there <laughs> is a defined loop around the mansion, right? You can mm-hmm. only really deviate once or twice. And, and once you learn your particular favorite path around the uh, the mansion you you're good to go right because it is just a loop it's you know it's it's three i think on the original there's a there's like three or four loops that you just have if you learn the layout of the loops you're good hmm. i think perhaps and i know you struggled with this squidge with the cat game is that you're not really <clears throat> you're given a bunch of objectives and maybe it flashes up on your on your map but then you're like you pat it on the backside and said good luck and it's like well where mm. do i go what do i do right and as much as i enjoy exploring like a, any kind of maze in a game i want to make progress right yeah <laughs> and i felt like it was the lack of guidance of where to go at least with resident evil 2 there's like there's clues laying around you know you go into the rpd building and again you can only go one particular path or maybe one or two particular paths but there's lots of files and lots of things strewn about to tell you subtly through the dialogue of the file if you go into the next room you will get the thing you're looking for right yeah you have to read between the lines but it tells you where to go to get to the next bit i did feel like resident evil 3 was just like good luck um well work it out but then again to counter that counterpoint that makes perfect sense because the world is falling to pieces and Jill literally mm. doesn't know where to go because there isn't a a god in the machine, a deus ex machina, whatever, guiding your decisions, telling you go over here, go over there, go over there. Not at least until you meet the uh, the jackals and things like that and the, 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 the all the different other characters. Then you get, I think I said jackals and I don't think jackals should be the name, but you know what I mean. The, um, UBCS the like Yeah, right? Until you meet those folks there's almost no guiding direction and there shouldn't be because there isn't anyone telling you what to do so maybe it's because i'm just stupid and i should just put the game on as soon as we finish recording jay (laughs) (laughs) i don't know maybe that's it (laughs) no i i I wouldn't say that jay i i actually shared (laughs) (laughs) the pleasure is yours but (laughs) When I originally played the game, and maybe it was because I played it so young, I had the exact opposite. I was more 
thrilled by the idea that I had no idea what I was supposed to do. And that's not mm. to besmirge the Resident Evil 2 uh, experience. I love those little clues. I love reading the documents about what happened before, and I find a code to a safe that I haven't found yet. And I loved all of that, but there was something alluring about being thrown on the streets and just seeing all these pathways before you and not knowing where you're supposed to go. It was it was very enticing to me, but I can see both your points and your counterpoints as well. It, it really is a different <laughs> experience. I mean, a lot of people really focus on that action-oriented approach that Resident Evil 3 took, but you really, you really nailed it. The way they inject the player into this experience, they don't really hold your hand really with a narrative this time. Here's your problem, find a solution, Best of luck mm. to you, boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say just, just for, for me seeing this live, and obviously for the listener hearing this, watching Jay counteract his own counteractions and essentially kick the crap out of himself—just a sight. <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> doing this live. It really was. I knew he was going to do it, but it was just amazing to see. So, so Jay, when you popped in Resident Evil 3 and played it for the all of 10 minutes that you did, when you went into it originally, <laughs> did you did you fully intend to see this thing through the end and just talked yourself out of it based on what you said? Or were you just testing the waters initially? Like, where was your mind at when you first played it? Oh, man, I, w- I will say that the, the original Resident Evil 2 is one of my top games of all time, right? Um... The, the lineage of the Res- of those first three or four Resident Evil games released in order that they were released is amazing to me. Those Resident Evil 1, 2, uh, Code Veronica, and it kind of slipped off a little bit by the time we got to 4. I'm, ve- I'm there for the survival horror. So going hmm. in, I was like, I'm going to love this. This is brilliant. I'm going to absolutely love this game, and I'm going to play it, and it's going to be amazing, and I want to see what happens. Because, you know, I'd read a little bit about it, um, but you know, um, I'm sure that Squidge will elaborate. We didn't really have a lot of. Uh, we certainly didn't have internet access when mm. around the time that Resident Evil came, uh, Three came out, and uh, you know, we only had like word of mouth from our friends at school and the occasional video game magazine because we weren't really. I certainly wasn't interested in um, video game journalism at the time, and that's not mm. to say that video game journalism doesn't have its place. It certainly does, but I felt very much like it wasn't really. Tell it felt. At the time, I felt that video game journalism in the specific magazines that Squidge and I used to pick up were essentially just paid adverts. Because uh, yeah. everything got a 7 or 8 out of 10. And if everything's getting a 7 or 8 out of 10, then 7 doesn't mean anything. 8 doesn't mean anything, right? It may as well be 10 if everything's getting mm-hmm. the same score. And so I avoided all of the, most of the reporting on it. And I was just like, this is going to be amazing because I remember Resident Evil 1. I remember when Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil game came out. I It wasn't even on my radar. And I remember sitting with some friends at school and there was this like hushed conversation. You know, there's this game where it's like in a spooky mansion and it's haunted and you go in and, and they were describing like the first bit and you run into the 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 the, the dining room and there's like blood on the floor and then you have to go back and then he disappears but if you go to the door and open it this dog tries to bite you and if you keep doing it these dogs jump in and you have to fight them and and they kept talking about how genuinely scary it was and I think that a lot of uh, contemporary video game players don't get how how 
completely different Resident Evil was when it first came out for the majority mm. of console gamers. And then Resident Evil 2 just took that and just amplified it up to 11. Um, and so I, like, the fever pitch that I was at for Resident Evil 3 was, like, palpable. People were standing next to me going, wow, you really are looking forward to Resident Evil 3, aren't you? And I haven't said anything, right? Um, and I think the thing, the, the biggest thing that let me down is that um, uh, the very first time I played it, it was at a friend's house and it was a pirated copy. And I'm not um, condoning piracy of any kind uh, when I say this, uh, but what they'd done is they'd somehow gotten a pirated copy which had the cheats built in. So, like, you know, uh, for those of you who've never done it before, uh, you know, back in the day when you booted up a pirated version of a PlayStation game, it was a crapshoot as to whether you got a menu before the game started, like before even the, the trainer. PlayStation and stuff. Yeah, like the trainers. So you could say, oh, I'll have infinite life and infinite ammo and, you know, the enemies can't grab me and stuff like that. And my very first experience was infinite health, infinite ammo, um, the enemies can't grab you because Jill would auto dodge, and I'm like, well, what's where's the where's what what's the point of this? Because I didn't yeah. know that he'd put this trainer on, right? He was just like, hey, here's the controller, have a go, and I'm like, this is too easy. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, but also I can't be. Uh, there's no there's no lose condition. What's going on? Mm. Um, but yeah, my I, I originally wanted to see it through, but then. Obviously, that experience was like, well, maybe I don't want to see it through. Maybe they've dropped the ball. Maybe Resident Evil 2 is too tough, and they they made Resident Evil 3 too easy. And like, it even got to a point where I stepped that far away from Resident Evil 3 that I was way more excited about Resident Evil 2 being made for the N64. I had like a scrapbook and I stayed up, like I, I cut out all of the different pieces of information about Resident Evil 2 on the N64. Yeah, I remember that. I stayed up like stupid late into the late hours just reading as much as i could uh, i actually made myself physically ill because i was I that, that excited well. about resident evil 2 like i was at school one afternoon and just passed out <laughs> because i was like i was reading about it and i was so excited it was like two days beforehand and like i was like saving up all the money that i could because i knew it would be expensive and boy was it expensive because there was uh, even though like knowing now what i didn't know then it was a six-person dev team Right, and two of those were graphics people, like working on the actual graphical assets. So it really was four devs took Resident Evil for the PlayStation, uh, Resident Evil Two for PlayStation, and put it on N64. So I was well excited for that because I felt like I'd been let down by Resident Evil Three because of like all of these cheats and stuff that were put in place. So yeah, I wanted to originally sit through it, but just the situation of how I first encountered it after those first ten minutes, I was like. Mm, mm, Maybe not. I'll wait for Squidge to finish it, and he can tell me what it's like. <laughs> that that breaks my heart, in all honesty, man. Just knowing that mm. I, knowing that this is how you started this journey, I I, I think back to my own experience. I won't really get into it too, per se, but it, it was the same thing. Of that anticipation, the first game and the second game really hit home, and knowing the third one was going to come out and popping it in after getting it and experiencing it fresh with a title screen uh, all, all that sort of stuff but wow my heart breaks for you and I, I, I hope we can get you to go back to this game today it's our job myself and Nomad to try and get you to try to convince you to play the urban zombie survival 
simulator that, in all its glory, that is Resident Evil 3 original. We've got a few things written down, so we're just going to chuck stuff at you and see what sticks. All right? I'm used to people First throwing thing things I've at got, me, that's fine. Oh, yeah. 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 I've got one hell of a throwing arm. Um, if you play through the original Resident Evil 3, it'll actually make sense. Oh, actually make sense. All of the internet memes will make sense to you. Uh, the fan art, the memes, the everything, like the Jill Samage, you know, and all, all the rest of the stuff, like, you could have... I mean, one meme that sticks into mind is um, you hear glass smashing, and it's Ralph from The Simpsons flying through the window, you know, and it says Nemesis, or there's Ralph sat on a uh, on the, the bus, and it's like, yeah, music escalates, you hear massive footsteps, and Ralph says, I'm in danger. You know, all the memes will make sense. <laughs> You've played Resident Evil 3 remake. Uh, the original. Getting really mixed up here. Resident Evil 3 original. The memes will make sense, which I think definitely worth 100%. And you can't continue to progress through this life, Jay, without understanding the nuances of the things that <laughs> these people have put together. Trust me. <laughs> when you encounter the scenario that makes that Ralph beam make sense, it will be <laughs> a life-altering experience, and you will be so thankful that now you have this connection. That alone should convince you. Squidge, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Podcast over. See you later. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, 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 I like the idea. <laughs> I I like the idea of being able to understand memes because you know when someone has to explain a joke to you, it doesn't make you know it's not funny, right? So yeah, maybe maybe that should be the thing, right? Uh, maybe maybe I could set up like a group. Uh, we could do it on the Discord or whatever, where I'm like, "Hey, I'm playing through Resident Evil 3 original, and I'm up to this bit." And then you know, someone could throw a meme at me, and I'm like, "Ah, I get it now! Ha ha! That is funny." So maybe that's hmm, maybe you're you're part way there. Oh, I've, I've got a full folder of them. I could just bombard you with them. It's fine. Okay, these are the emergency Resident Evil Three memes, are they? Like yeah, your I've emergency, got an emergency memes cake. folder. Okay, I've got I've got emergency <laughs> cake as well, but I've got emergency memes folder. In case of emergency. Jpeg. <laughs> All right, Jay. So if if memes aren't quite getting you there, maybe they're getting you a little bit. Here's another point that you need to take into serious consideration. In Resident Evil 3, the original, you can get fabulous. I'm talking about playing in a plethora of different outfits, from the professional zombie killer to that night on the town look. You can dress Jill up in something completely different, make her look like she missed the off-ramp and walked into a zombie-infested town instead of a dinosaur-infested facility, if you get that reference. Uh, okay. So it come, Resident Evil 3 comes with plenty of unlockables, and you don't just have to have Jill run around the streets in her tactical tube top. There is many ways to play. <laughs> tactical tube top and white jumper. There you go. I did... I liked the alliteration of tactical tube top. That should be that should be a thing, right? You've heard of Triple H, the wrestler. We were talking Triple T, the uh, the outfit, right? <laughs> Done. I've got the image of Triple H in a tube top now. What are you doing? Well, me? that's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. That's going to haunt my nightmare. So, I knew about the uh, dressing up as Regina from 
Dino Crisis, which leads me to a, a discussion that I'm sure everyone on the internet has already had, and I know I've mentioned it once or twice. I'm going to hit you with some words. We'll come back to Resident Evil 3 Original in a second. RE Engine Dino Crisis would be just terrifying. Discuss. <laughs> See, the, the more people bring this up, and I'm glad that you've brought it up, I feel the better chance that this will happen. The RE engine is is such an amazing engine, and, and, and looking at Resident Evil 2 Remake, what they did with that, and just perfected on perfection already, I cannot imagine what Dino Crisis would be with that type of view, gameplay style, atmosphere. I would give almost anything to have that experience. So Capcom, if you happen to be listening, get on it, please. Yeah, don't listen to the, um, well, I, I, a lot of people know where this comes from, but don't listen to the, the hashtag Dino Crisis sucks. Okay, they don't. Um, <laughs> we know where that comes from. I'm not going to explain it any further. Um, okay, so my next point. Resident Evil 3, when you haven't got a trainer um, at the beginning and you don't have everything unlocked, it is the ultimate stress test. Okay, you've got the thrill of being pursued pursued by a hulking monster. You know, it's you know it, it goes from a daily jog to intense. Holy crap, I'm gonna get killed by a guy who just clearly needs a hug but can't say it properly. You know, the the, the trash bag with teeth that is Nemesis. Because that's that's the that's how the remake paints him. He's a trash bag with teeth until that that cover gets pulled off him. But yeah, he's desperate in need of a hug, but the only way he knows to hug people is like high-fiving them in the face with a rocket launcher. So it is one hell of a stress test if you have no idea what you're doing. Now, that might sound off-putting. Why put myself in unnecessary stressful situations? But you said it yourself, Jay. You love a story-rich experience and being pulled and, and immersed mm-hmm. in something. When Nemesis is around in this game, and you know he's around when the music gets dark and foreboding, mm-hmm. you can hear him growling around you, that in and of itself is a narrative that pulls you into that experience. You don't know where he's going to be, you don't know if you have enough supplies left to take him out or run away from him, or what you're going to do next. You make your own story when Nemesis is hot on your heels, just wanting that hug. <laughs> hmm. You see, I, as much as Mister X and Nemesis in the in the remix were quite anxiety-inducing, hmm. I like that idea of having to go. Oh bugger! It's caught me. How do I get out of this one? So, hmm. Yeah, the, the uh, testing my own internal uh, metal. My my. Uh, gastrointestinal fortitude you know that kind of thing I like it I like it (laughs) yeah this game does really well with the pursuer angle it's Mm. Nemesis appears in some scripted segments and some are okay they're fairly obvious but what makes it work in the original especially and I think what they could have done better in the three make is when he's around after that scripted segment he doesn't really go away until you proceed into the next area and he'll 
really follow you. It's not like you go into an area and he's there, you go into the next room and you're safe for a minute. He will continue to pursue you and follow you. And that changes not just how you're experiencing Resident Evil uh, from a story standpoint. Your gameplay style changes. The way that you move around, how you utilize your resources, it all changes. And then, when you find your way to safety and the music goes away, you shift back into your original mindset. No other pursuer creature in all the video games, in my opinion, does it as well. So, you have that to look forward to. Yeah, just piggybacking on some of what Nomad said with how it like, you know, trying to experience the story and have this hulking trash bag with teeth chasing you. Um, Resident Evil 3 original, if you've never played it, it's got, surprisingly, it's got branching story paths. How you actually play the game depends on how you progress, what ending you get, that kind of thing, because there's, I think, three endings? Sounds right. Yeah, three separate endings and three separate ways to do the, the end game. So, you know, depending how you deal with him, which which way you go, what part of the city you encounter him in, and the, the scripted decision events. It's actually, there's, Resident Evil's got multiple different paths, Resident Evil 3. Some are easier, some are hard. Um, people, veterans of the game, will know the hard ones and avoid them, like the plague, or like the, the zombie virus, you know. But there are slightly easier ways of doing things and really hard ways of doing things. And to the people who play it knife only, you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this this mechanic here is the one thing that was missing from the resident evil 3 remake jay that you never really got to experience um mm. i think they called it live selection was the name of the mechanic and yeah. there's several opportunity well not opportunities but several instances where jill is in immediate danger and you have to make a choice and you don't have long to decide and you need to make the best decision based on the circumstances, or maybe you just want to try a different path in a different playthrough. Resident Evil 2 had replay value because you could play as two different characters, and then you can play those two different characters a second time to experience the other sides of those stories. Resident Evil 3 supplements that with the decision tree system, so there's plenty of game here. Hmm. Okay. And I guess if there's like, just pulling a number out of the air, if there's like five or six of these decisions, then yeah, that that gives you what, uh, let's just pull another, like four or five different ways of playing the game, right? Because there's different, hmm. oh, I got to this decision and went this way, where, you know, I got this result. If I'd have gone that way, I'd have gotten this result and a different, maybe a different story path, maybe a different bit of story is, is released, but then you end up, maybe you end up on the same, who knows, right? I would have to play it to see whether that branching path takes me back to where I should have been. You can actually miss out on supplies with certain decisions you make, and you don't even know it beforehand. So going in completely blind is always the best way to do it. Plus the fact that the completion bonuses, you get like eight or nine epilogues. So yep. little story tidbits from... Um, characters in previous games and characters in this game so uh yeah it's, it's definitely got that going for it as well yeah, it's a great incentive to keep playing the game through especially if you're a resident evil enthusiast and you've got attachment mm. to these characters it's really nice to see what they've been up to um, since you've played with them in resident evil one or two so lots of replayability and the decision tree system really uh uh keeps it spicy as it were hmm yeah okay so I like that idea. Yeah, 
Alright, so... You're convincing I, I, me, chaps. We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're getting there, so... We've got a few more. We've got a few more. Yeah, so, so here, here's another thing to consider, Jay, and I think this might uh, uh, tickle your fancy just right. So, in Resident Evil 3, you can solve many series staple-type puzzles. Now, these puzzles are going to make you feel like a genius when you solve them, or at the very least, you'll feel like a zombie that finally found the doorknob. But either way, there's <laughs> plenty of secrets within Raccoon City, and your typical Resident Evil-style puzzles are present. There's iconic puzzles, such as the water puzzle, which is something that every Resident Evil player, nay, I say, every gamer should should experience it's like playing mm. tetris but not really but <laughs> <laughs> there's the fountain puzzle that you'll find in a section of the original game that was not present in the remake so you get to figure out how to progress through this fountain by rearranging colored gears sounds simple by nature but nay nay it is quite complicated especially when you realize how you actually solve this <laughs> How does that sound, my friend? Flashbacks when you mention that fountain puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) I do like a good puzzle. The only puzzles I don't like are those ones where, like, I can't. What's those? uh, It's like the moon logic type puzzle. No, not the moon logic. I can deal with moon logic. I just switch my brain off. That's fine. But it's the Simon-like puzzles. You know where you have like a grid of nine buttons and you have to push them in a particular order and they all light up in different ways. As long as we don't have one of those, or if there's only one of those, I'm happy. <laughs> there is, but the solution's random. So you can just mash buttons. Okay. Right, okay. You just like this one, then this one, then this one, and then eventually... For, for anyone listening, up. I'm on about the, um, the gas station puzzle to get the... The gasoline, I think it's the gasoline, or is it the machine oil? It, there's, there's no direct way of finishing it. You just mash buttons. You might, there's A, B, C, and D, and you just go between them. They light up eventually. So, fair yeah, it's, it's almost very reminiscent of the first Resident Evil game where you're trying to get into the little chemical room in the guardhouse, and you have that little keypad that you have to light up all the lights. It's almost like that. There's a, there's a solution if you see it right away, but even if you don't, you can kind of brute force your way into it, and. To me, I think that's what makes not just the puzzles of Resident Evil 3 so iconic, but just all across the series. They're as simple or as complicated as you make them, but at the end of the day, there's always a way past. There's never this roadblock. You can find your way through it. So, like I said, you'll feel like the smartest person in the room, or you'll feel like, oh, duh, I I get it now. But there'll (laughs) be that forward progress. (laughs) Okay, I like that, because I often feel like a zombie who's only just figured out how to do a, use a door handle, so I, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> Is that before coffee? <laughs> uh, before, after, during, all the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of the points I've got is um, Resident Evil 3 original. Um, I don't know of many other games at the time, but it is... The whole game is an ultimate showdown. Okay, it's David versus Goliath. It's Jill, an, an expert Stars member who's got some serious experience behind her, but she's never come across Nemesis. Right? It's it's kind of like watching a very elongated epic wrestling match, just with more tentacles. Steady on. Um, but you know, you don't need that pay per view experience when you've got like you know the classic cinematic showdown of 
you know, a classic case of um, ex-boyfriend won't leave me alone, that kind of thing. You know, it's it is one hell of a David versus Goliath, and whether you decide to run or whether you decide it, whether you decide, it, give me a rocket launcher, I'm just going to deal with this. You know, it is it, it's full game length. It's not just at certain points like the three meg. It is all the way through, and you're always on the edge of your seat. It's because you're trying to escape from Raccoon City, the the urban center. You know, the this center of urban chaos and the massive map. You never really, until you get a few game, a few runs into it, you never really feel like you're completely safe. He, he can literally pop up at anywhere. He will stalk you outside of safe rooms and you won't even know it. Yeah, and don't let that sound daunting. I mean, well, it is, but... Yeah, it is. That's <laughs> an, <laughs> but that's another way that this game creates a rich type of narrative without having to tell it to you through dialogue. The Resident Evil 3 remake, there was a point, I can't remember exactly what the threshold was, but I remember once you get past Nemesis, he's done until scripted segments later in the game. Uh, Whereas in the, the um, That's after you get out of the sewers, you fight Nemesis in that circle arena, and there then he go. doesn't show up till the very end. Sorry, I just had to point that out. No, no, you're good. And and it, it's almost figurative in nature when she's locking that door that has that big circle handle. She's basically just locking Nemesis out of his own game in the remake. Whereas in the original, he is a perpetual threat from start to finish. But really the story is about not just surviving, but overcoming insurmountable odds. The nemesis is going to continue to find you, evolve, become more dangerous. And you as a player are going to grow in the ways that not only how you deal with him, but just how you develop ways to continue your journey despite his interactions. And I won't give it away, but once you get to the game's epic conclusion, it's a cherry on top of that entire experience, given everything that you've gone through at that point. And Jay, you strike me as the type of person that would very much appreciate a, a story experience like this. Do we got you yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I... Hmm. Hmm. I know I have it installed on my computer, and I know I have the Apple of Eden um, HD stuff to make it work on modern operating mm. systems and make it look really nice. I, oh. I think right, we're going to chaps. We're gonna have to we're gonna pull out a couple more, I think. Here, you're you're right on the edge. You're you're, yep. you're one you're one dodge mechanic away from from taking Ooh. this venture on, I think. <laughs> So, so I think one of my final points, almost kind of to solidify everything for you, Jay, is really, if you sit and think about it, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, the OG, is the perfect blend, almost like the perfect cup of coffee. Ooh. It is an action-centric type of game, as in it's a lot more action-focused than, than entries previous to it, but it combines horror with humor in some very unexpected ways as well. Yeah. I, I, now, our listeners can't see it, but you just peeked up a little bit there, my friend, so let me continue on here. <laughs> get ready to scream, but get ready to laugh, and then get ready to laugh at yourself for screaming just then. But the way this game comes together with these iconic moments, you can't help but just laugh when, I don't know, you come across a room and a bunch of uninvited zombies just crash your party. And it's just like, oh, man. But 
you continue to find ways to push through it all. You got a smirk on your face, and you're 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 continuing through the experience. But you're still going to get pulled into that survival horror experience. So while you've got that tinge of determination, a little bit of hope, and you've got that flutter in your heart after that fun experience you just had, the game will remind you that it wants to kill you. But that's a good thing. <laughs> that's going to pull you back into that experience. So yeah, you're not getting... a drink up the wall and... <laughs> <laughs> you're not just getting a singular experience. You're not just getting a, a well-told story. You're getting the overall package. And I think a lot of fans, uh, they kind of miss that sometimes. But it's our job to make sure that you know that going into this experience, my friend. <laughs> I like it. I, I do like I do like the mixture of, of a little bit of comedy to break the, uh, the tension. And the horror comedy thing, like, they are so closely related. Um... I watched a, uh, a documentary years ago. Uh, it was a British-made documentary for like one of the channels over here, and it was about the 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 closeness of comedy to horror, because essentially a good jump scare or a good scare in a movie is you expecting something to happen, then suddenly pivots and something else happens. And a good joke is I'm taking you on a journey by telling you a story, then I pivot, tell you something that is mm. different. And it's the same reaction. It's the same kind of reaction, but we react differently. So I'm all for that. Yeah, give me the, give me that uh, that comic relief. Give me, give me, give me. <laughs> A good example of of horror working to make you laugh, just to like, just like the jump scares and the absurdity. Um, if anyone listening, if they can try and track down a mini series, I think it's six episodes of something called Dead Set. Um, mm-hmm. It's I'll give a really quick premise. It's uh, people go, people are in the Big Brother house, and then a zombie apocalypse happens, and then they have to barricade themselves in the Big Brother house and try and survive. Um, if not for anything else, but you see, I think it's Denise Van Outen. She gets turned to a zombie. Not Denise Van Outen. Oscar, uh, Carol. No. Oh, what's her name? It doesn't matter who it is, right? It's well, some some a, person, a, a, right? A, a, it's uh, an iconic Big Brother in the UK presenter gets munched and she turns into a zombie. And then one of the characters, and I kid you not, this is his line. He ends up killing her to save everyone else, and everyone's screaming, and he's sort of like he's in that mode of I need to survive. The line he uses: I can hire her. I can fire the as well. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely worth it. I'll, I'll get the name of it in a second, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, you mean Davina that, McCall, that, that, right? Uh, for the for the UK the people. Yes, Davina yeah. McCall. Uh, to see her just turn to a zombie is amazing. What we've said has it has it convinced you to give it another go? Yeah, I'm 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 right there. Like, where's my where's my controller? At? I know. I'll use this use this controller that um, fails when it vibrates too much. That's what I'll use. <laughs> when it crops even, out. I don't know if you've got a few more you may have a few more you may even be able to convince me to do it on stream so like my first experience is yours first Ooh. experience of my first experience what do you think I've got the distinct impression he's going to ask me how to solve puzzles but I will say this Resident Evil 3 it's kind of got the original because I a friend of mine brought his GameCube version over and oh, he bought a uh, version for the GameCube and wanted to check to make sure it worked. And within about half an hour, I was halfway through the game. Not only wow. was it muscle memory, but it's kind of got this... It's not as punishing as like Dead Souls or Dark Souls or right. Soulsborne or whatever you want to call it. So if you make a mistake, it's genuinely most of the time your fault. <laughs> and you sort of laugh and you go, oh, for God's sake, and you try again. You know, so it's not as punishing as them kind of games, but it's sort of like... You're stuck. Okay, 
the hell with it. I'll go to a safe room. I'll turn it off. But on the way to the safe room, you pick up this thing and you go, where's this go? And then you have that little moment in your head spark. Oh, that'll go there. And you go there and you start playing for another three hours because you've picked something up. It's just like you're at the end of your rope. And then suddenly, I can't figure this out. And then, wait a minute, what's that shining up? What's this crank do? You know? What, what, yeah. Of all things, why do I need a fuse? I've just picked... A, right. or, or in one case, I went to... There's a part where you've got to go to an electrical station and do a puzzle. One of the doors I opened, when I opened it, I got a magnum. And the reason why I kept playing for another hour was, I just got a magnum. <laughs> it's only six rounds, but I'm going to have fun. <laughs> you know, so there's always ways for the game to keep you playing, even if you're stuck. You know, you, right. you, you, can, you, you can get lost, but when you find that one thing, you just keep going. Yeah, but when you, you said Magnum, saying... there's... Good, Jim. Hmm? No, no, you you. I was going to say, Squidge, you saying Magnum just now reminded me of another mm-hmm. game mechanic that I had completely forgotten about. And I'll, Reloading I'll... tool. The reloading tool, that's one too. I'll talk about that real quick. So you've got your resources scattered throughout the city, your bullets, your shotgun shells that just happen to be haphazardly left all over the city for some reason, all willy-nilly. Naturally. Right. But the Resident Evil 3 uh, original introduced the reloading tool. There's gunpowder scattered all over the city, and using that reloading tool, you can create handgun bullets, shotgun shells, or grenade rounds, or different types of ammunition that way which allows you to create your own experience when it comes to how you face the horrors in Raccoon City. Mm. The best part about that system is as Jill creates different types of ammunition concurrently, she actually develops experience in doing it. So example, if you use a gunpowder A to create uh, handgun bullets, she'll make 15. Do it a couple more times, she'll make 17, 18, and she'll get more real world experience doing this. And on top of that, you'll actually be able to create enhanced ammo, more powerful versions of the handgun rounds or, or the shotgun shells, which mm-hmm. rewards the player for sticking with something throughout the game, but also can reward you if you just want to switch it up, change it. It really depends on how you want to survive this horror. That's that's a big one to consider as well. But the other piece I wanted to touch on before I lost it is there are some randomization elements in Resident Evil 3 that I don't believe were in the remake. Now, what I mean by that is some enemy placements, depending on playthroughs, may be different. Maybe that room has one zombie. Maybe it has, I don't know, a zombie dog instead. Hmm. Item placement in some capacity can be different because when Squidge mentioned the Magnum, I remember that... When you go into the star's office, because you make your way into the Raccoon City Police Department like you do in the remake, there's a locker, and in that locker, you're either going to find a grenade launcher, or you might find the Magnum there. It all depends on the game's RNG, as it is, and Hmm. that in and of itself creates replay experience, so no two playthroughs are really all that similar. On top of the decisions you have to make... Ah, it's getting me excited talking about it now, so I'll probably play it before you do. And here's the <laughs> weird one, right? It's it's a toss-up when you when you it's either the magnum or the grenade launcher in the weapons locker. It is universally understood that if you get the magnum, that is the worst outcome. Because the amount of the amount of powders you've got to get to mix 
the amount you've got to put into it and to mix to get magnum rounds, you can get a metric button of grenade launcher ammo for what you would make for magnum rounds. So the grenade launch is the better option. And, and unless you want to shoot yourself in the foot, which with a grenade launcher, I mean, that's that's just about as useful as snorting gunpowder. So, which you can't do in the game, which I, I'd love a mod for that, but you know, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so with all these in place, do you think you'll give it a go and actually try and complete it? Oh, 100%, yeah. I don't think I'll make it to the end because I'm not good at video games anymore, but I'm happy to play it on easy mode or whatever it is where you get the machine gun from the start and play through mm. it for the story, right? I'm happy to do that. So let's do this. You're actually on easy let's mode. You get a machine gun with a spare clip, and when you get to a save room with those chests that are always linked, you have um, a pistol, a shotgun, and a magnum with a set amount of ammo for each, just to help you along. And to be honest, yeah. if it's your first time playing, you're on easy mode, you're going to chew through that ammunition before you realise it. Fair enough. If you've already yeah. played it, then you can be very strategic with it. But Now, I, I will say, Jay, once you complete this experience, because it sounds like we've got you and you're going to give it a run... You'll, you'll have to muster the courage to play it on the hard mode or the normal mode or whatever you want to call it because... Hard. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> there will be some things in this particular game mode that you will miss out on easy mode. Nemesis, while he's this hulking monstrosity and at times can be this insurmountable threat, he is defeatable. You can't outright mm. kill him, but you can knock him down and he'll leave you alone for a good while and let you explore in, in relative peace. In the hard mode, the normal mode, whatever you want to call it, if you defeat Nemesis when he comes at you, he'll drop very unique items. Items mm. such as pieces to unique weapons that you can't get otherwise. There's an item that he'll drop called the first aid box that'll actually let you keep up to three first aid sprays in one inventory slot. And if you can defeat him in every instance that he encounters you throughout the game, the very last thing he'll drop seven times. This is the seventh drop. Seventh oh drop. He'll drop an infinite ammunition briefcase that you can combine with any weapon oh, yeah. of your choice and just demolish the rest of the game. So this whole experience on hard mode will give you uh, an experience that is unlike any other if you decide to go this distance. You don't have to, but it's there if you want it. And I, I will piggyback off that real quick and mention, if you do go on hard mode like I did, I built it up and I took him down seven times, Unless you really insanely want to shoot yourself in the foot, do not mix that infinite ammo crate with a mine launcher, because it is wasted. I did that. <laughs> worst mistake of my gaming life. I'm telling you. It's just useless. This has been a public service announcement brought to you by Squidge. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. Okay, so think you'll do it? I Yes, let's do this. Let's, and you know what, right? Um, after the release of the episode, I'll figure out the schedule. I'll do it on stream as well. So then people can join Sweet. me on my journey of getting my butt whooped by this game that uh, I never really played through more than 10 minutes of. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> we can hold him accountable.
Nomad has come up with a segment for the show. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. All all right. So this is kind of a celebration now. It sounds like we've got you on board. You're ready to do this thing. So now we're going to have fun by playing a game, which is a remixed version of a game that you two played with me on a previous episode. This game... This game is called The Nest Lab Hideout, which is the Resident Evil version of the Thunderplane games. Right, okay. So here's how it works. Now you, in your quick thinking, have managed to secure a hideout in the Umbrella Nest, the research facility below Raccoon City. You should be safe there until you can steal a ride from the emergency tram at the bottom platform as the city goes kaput. My question for you, Jay, is what food items would you take with you and what two weapons, one one-handed and the other two-handed, will you take with you into Nest to keep the scientists at bay, as well as the zombies off of you until it is time to make your way to the Tram of Freedom? Hmm. Nice. I like this. It's a real. This is this is a puzzle that needs to be in a Resident Evil game, right? There you go. <laughs> oh, mate, that could be a, a Resident Evil game of its own, like a small kind of like that briefcase one you told me about before, Squidge, where you're doing. Oh, save yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you played this, Nomad? It's brilliant. Um, yes. But maybe it could be like a, a simulation game along the lines of like Mafia sort of like, Wars, um, like sort of like sixty seconds to survive. Where you got to get all the provisions, yeah. and then it's a story that goes on. Yeah, kind of like that. that makes yeah, exactly. Right. So you choose. So it's a, the exact setup you just mentioned, Nomad. But you you get like five minutes to plan it all out, pick your things, and then you hit go, and and like the game takes over. So I think I think weapons wise, I've got to have a shotgun. Right. That's my two handed weapon. Right. Because I've got to be able to, you know, the, the large blast area. I don't know. I don't nothing about guns except for what I've learned from playing video games but I know that shotguns are good things to have so we'll, we'll take a shotgun right um, headshot uh, central if possible <laughs> yeah right if possible the super shotgun from Doom 2 that's the one I'm going to take with me because that always seemed more powerful you burn through the ammo quicker but it always seems more powerful so we're taking that bazooka's got nothing gun. on the super shotgun <laughs> yeah, good choice. absolutely right <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, and for a single-handed weapon, some kind of pistol, right? Because I'm going to burn through that shotgun ammo very quickly, and I'm not going to mm. want to use the shotgun against an individual enemy of some kind. I'm going to want to use yeah. the pistol because I'll be able to carry more ammo for that. That's what games have taught me. I'll have more ammo. It'll be slightly less powerful, perhaps, but it'll be more uh, more portable, I guess. And if I'm going to take any of them, it's going to have to be. Uh, I want to say it's the Wesker. It's probably not called that, but like the 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 pistol that you always get in all of the Resident Evil games for doing really well, like the Albert Wesker model or the Stars Ninja Super Hyper Gun or whatever it's called. Uh, you guys, the, 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 the Samurai Edge. That's the one. Um, That's the one. Thank you. Yeah, and in the in the Resident <laughs> Evil Two remake, they had four different vari- four I think different variants, yeah. and one of them was the Albert model. And if I remember that one correctly, that one had higher damage output with a higher critical hit chance. So I think one out of five. To end, there you go. So one out of five, you'll blow a zombie's heads clean off. So that's that's a good choice. Hmm. That's the one. The Albert um, Samurai Edge for sure. Uh, so those are the things I'm taking with. Now, food-wise, I've given this considerable thought of the last four seconds whilst I've been buying time. And... Uh, 
I feel like you're you're you've, you've got to maintain some kind of health, right? You don't know. I'm guessing I don't know how long I'm going to be in there for. So something mm. in that uh, those three items of food, I've got to be healthy, right? So I'm going to take some broccoli or some cauliflower. I just have like a big. I don't know if they come in bushels or whatever the collective noun for it is, but as much of that as I possibly can, right? Um, because that is going to keep me relatively healthy for the next little while. And it's something you could just grab off of, you know, brick off a branch or whatever and just munch, right? So I can mm. be running through a corridor, munch, 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 not a problem. So that's, uh, I've got to think healthy first, right? Because I've got to try and extend my life as long as possible if I'm stuck in the in the nest. And then with I mean- that... I think Bro- oh, broccoli is green, like a green herb. I can see the yeah, direct correlation yeah. there. That's solid. <laughs> Absolutely, right? I like it. <laughs> so I've got to do that, right? So I've got to, I've got to stay healthy because I don't know how long I'm going to be there for. But I also know that, um, you know, my my morale is going to take a hit. If all you're eating is broccoli, that's kind of boring. Yeah. Right. Um, so I've got to take some cake. Right, because it's got to be cake, right? Everybody loves if it's a birthday cake, if it's whatever kind of cake you present someone with a cake, they're not going to start crying, right? They're going to be they're going to be happy. Cake makes people happy. Cake and ice cream, so it's going to be cake, right? It's not as portable, not as easy, but I'm sure that if I'm in the nest, there's some kind of um, refrigeration unit or some kind of deep freeze. I'm going to chuck it in there, and then when I when it all gets on top of me, I can have some cake. Totally fine, not a problem. What kind of cake? I don't know. Maybe some kind of big over-the-top chocolate cake or something. You know, it'll help me with my morale. Death uh, so by chocolate. Broccoli. There's another apt one. Absolutely. Yes. Cake. Death, death by, by chocolate. chocolate. Why I not? Like it. Yes. No, that makes sense. <laughs> you're, you're you're hiding in a corner, and the and the undead swarm is coming to you, but you got frosting, and that's a win right there. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think I'm going down. I'm going down swinging the- with cake. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> I may be trapped in the corner. They may be coming to get me. I may certainly be eaten to death. But at least I've got this lasting memory of having cake in my face whilst it's happening. Mm. That will make me happy. <laughs> Plus, it'll confuse the people coming in afterwards. Why was he eating cake? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the final thing would have to be some kind of spam or something like that. Uh, like maybe a, a meat substitute sort of thing or whatever because uh, then what I can do is I can construct a facsimile of myself and use that as a trap right? I've run out of ammo, I'm trapped in the corner if I have a spam version of me a tofu version of me or a corn shiitake mushroom version of me I can throw it at the enemies if they're zombies they'll get distracted they'll start munching that, I can run away if they're like if it's nemesis I can throw it at him and either he'll attack that or it'll hit him in the face and he'll be like why? right? and then that gives me a <laughs> second out of the room right? it's a one use thing but I can use it to escape so it's kind of I'm sneaking in another weapon but I feel like it could work that's that's what I think I'd take with me you, you, yourself you. not the zombies <laughs> You have impressed me and slightly concerned me with your survivability <laughs> skills here, Jay. I call it I a win. I, I mean, it's, I certainly wouldn't have thought of that either. But at the same time, if I'm going down or or even if I have a slim chance of surviving, if a spam version of myself is what <laughs> determines whether I live or die, <laughs> I will happily construct that and throw that at my foes. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> you may have to have some gloves or something because it could get a bit greasy. But again, there's like there's like a refrigeration unit or a deep freeze. You can put it, and if you put it in the deep freeze, it will go solid. So you can throw it at the enemy and it will hurt it, right? Can you see or sneaking in extra weapons? <laughs> no, no, no. Just don't no, no. get that the, grease on the cake. That would be travesty right there. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless you want to eat a meat cake, which... Nah, I just... I'm giving myself nightmares at that point. Only you would bring spam into Resident Evil. Seriously. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Quick fire questions round. There's not many, but it's either or. You don't have to think about it. It's just either or. Okay. So me and Nomad will take it in turns, just pelting suggestions at you. You tell us what you think. Are you ready for this? Ready as I'll ever be, which is not very ready. Okay. Okay. Zombies or killer clowns? Killer clowns. Ink ribbons or post-it notes? Uh, ink ribbons. Running from Nemesis or solving inventory puzzles? Inventory puzzles. Rescuing dogs or rescuing cats from the Raccoon City chaos? Dogs. Dogs, definitely. Correct answer. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) More tentacles on Nemesis or more hats on zombies? Hats on zombies. Using a shotgun to blast zombies or using a hairdryer to confuse them. Ooh, a hairdryer, because if you set it high enough, you might melt them. Okay. Herb salad or green smoothies for post-apocalyptic nutrition? Ooh, uh, uh, the salad, because if you're making the smoothies, it makes loads of noise and attract the enemy. But then a smoothie is more is more portable. Mm. Mm. Risk and reward. Yeah, uh, salad, I think, though. Nice. Battling the tyrant or deciphering Jill's handwriting on notes that you find? <laughs> the handwriting, for sure. <laughs> the Raccoon City Diner or a zombie infested drive thru? Zombie infested drive thru, definitely. Dodging Nemesis or dodging slow moving co workers. Oh, you see, they're effectively the same thing. <laughs> Come on now. Um, <laughs> it's going to have to be Nemesis. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I wasn't either. That threw me. That threw me, that one. Oh, uh, well said. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's good to know that you're you're definitely going to give it a go. Um, should be interesting to watch. It, it'd be nice to watch someone streaming a Resident Evil game and not asking me how to solve puzzles every ten seconds because I've done that. And back then with the thirty second delay, it's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm furiously typing. Yeah, and then I'm just about to finish and push return to give them the hint. They go, "Oh, just look online." Well. You know, excuse the hell out of me for not typing fast enough, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's definitely good to know that um, you're definitely going to give it a go. Because I think it's an experience. Um, Resident Evil mm-hmm. 3 as a game, 
I've got similar feelings towards that, and here's here's a hell of a comparison. It, Resident, playing Resident Evil 3 a game as an experience is kind of like playing Pokemon. It needs to be played um, for you to get the experience of it, to understand the the fan base and the memes, and to understand the to have that that memory and that you know it's. Chances are, a lot of people who've played video games, they've either heard or played a Resident Evil game at some point. Same with Pokemon, it has to be done. Resident Evil is a pinnacle of survival horror. Pokemon, by some accounts, has got some very interesting RPG elements, and you've got to you've got to learn on the fly. There's so much you've got to learn. You've just got to do stuff on the fly. There's all sorts of stuff to do. There's all sorts of different ways to play it. Resident Evil's the same. You can either go in all guns blazing or try and dodge stuff at your own uh, peril. Just as a, a quick little tidbit, before Resident Evil 5 came along, which was the first game that showed you uh, herbs, when you mix them up, you got it as a spray. Most people would think, oh, you got herbs. You, know, you mix them together, you create hair powders and stuff. You know, they have a quick munch. I'll do that again because I bashed that. You know, they have these mixed herbs, they have a quick munch and that's sorted. For some reason, before Resident Evil 5 came along, my very young brain that I shouldn't have been playing at the time, imagined that to heal themselves, they took the herbs and rubbed them into their armpits. <laughs> <laughs> because being sweaty in a zombie apocalypse can be life-threatening, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they clearly <laughs> go off scent of fear and perspiration. Absolutely. Just not spearmint and... And I was going to say honeysuckle, but I was going to say spearmint and uh, digitalis. Let's go for that. I don't know why you'd rub that right. in your armpits. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, spearmint or red or blue, you know, new blue flavor herbs. Uh, <laughs> my mind's slowly just melting out of my ears at this point. Um, right. So before we get to the very ending part, I'll, I'll just, I've, I've written something here. I feel like I need to say it. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Playing on easy or hard, looking like a disco diva or feel like you're a lost dinosaur hunter. Resident Evil 3 OG, which if anyone doesn't know, OG stands for Original Gangster. We refer to it like the original. Um, has the locations, the chase sequences, the frustrating yet rewarding fights, as well as the Mad Jackal mode and the replay value to be a fantastic experience for any Resident Evil fan. If you're new to the series or returning, it won't be long before you'll be the master of unlocking, a cardio machine, a puzzle-solving diva, as well as a nemesis whack-a-mole champion. I think I pretty much wraps nice. it up pretty well. What do we reckon? Yeah. It took me quite a while to write that, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> Very well written, I must say. <laughs> I'm also surprised I got through it because when I'm typing furiously on a PC, the spelling mistakes. Again, Nomad, I'm sorry right. when I sent this stuff to you. I know there was a lot of them. Uh, no, I would say I blame my keyboard, but it was me. You're fine. I do the same thing. At least you don't have a talent that I have. Sometimes I'll be typing up an email and I'll put a completely different word in place of another word and <laughs> spell check doesn't catch it because it's spelled correctly. And then I'll go read it back to myself. It's like, Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's an email about finance. What we'll talk about burritos for. Because you want burritos for lunch. That's why. Yeah. Hungry. Bur I, that's I, how you know I, you're hungry. I can't think of a situation bur where burritos are not prevalent. I mean, just think it through. Absolutely. Traffic jam, burritos. Uh, standing in line to get your license renewed, burritos. 
Zombie apocalypse burritos. No. Or enchiladas, either way. They're both interchangeable. Do you know what? <laughs> Traffic Jam Burrito sounds like the name of a great studio album by someone. And I can't think of who, but that's that's yeah, Traffic Jam Burrito. That should be a that should be an album. Selling album from the band Baby in a Headlock. Absolutely. Yes, I'm bringing that. There one. we go. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic Jam Burrito, you're gonna get me by. Traffic Jam Burrito, gonna make me fly. Da, da, da. Do it. not put that in the podcast, please. <laughs> we both know that ain't happening. That's statement. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you'll be forever known as a traffic jam burrito guy. <laughs> Done. So, everyone has to have a legacy. Am I right? Achievement <laughs> unlocked. Done. <laughs> He's been a, a semi-professional idiot for you. It's traffic jam burrito. That's that's Absolutely. that's the name of the episode. Resident Evil Three Anniversary Traffic Jam Burrito. Just for everyone to go. What? <laughs> what? That's that, that's uh. What do the kids call it? Clickbait. Absolutely. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Cool. Thank you for the easy advertising, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, as we come to the end of this very switched up um, episode of Waffling Tailors, and just one more for the hell of it, um, I will will say, Nomad, um, I've done a lot of hosting of podcasts. Uh, You you could quite happily co-host anything, let alone come back and help me out with talking to this idiot. Uh, <laughs> so That's me, official idiot. You, you know, you've, you've done a fantastic <laughs> job. It's it's sort of like if if anyone didn't know you've never done this before, they they wouldn't have a clue. Um, quite natural to it, and you took my words, made them your own, and made them sound half decent. Um, or should I say, you made the, the questions sound like questions instead of statements, which with my normal typing is what happens. So um, you know, congrats on that. It it was it's been a lot of fun. Um, this was pretty much, I sent over some ideas and we did it live and you adapted. So, which is pretty much how I plan anything, you know, I just do it on the fly. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, you, you could pretty much co-host with anyone. Um, did a really good job. I just thought I might mention that. I, I really appreciate it. And I enjoy the fact that you two continued to bring me back. Obviously that must mean something, but in all seriousness, I really enjoy my time with. Yay! <laughs> I, I, I told you it won't be my... safe for the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I have a really good time with you too. I, I I love these discussions. I love bouncing ideas and 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 thoughts and things back and forth. And I don't know what it is, but uh, maybe it's a little narcissistic to say, but I love talking and I love talking about things that are passionate <laughs> to me. And I love that I can share those passions with you too. So I'd be happy to be back. Anytime. Awesome. Well, we'll hold you to that because we do everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, with that being said, I feel like uh, me and Nomad have talked way too much. So, what I'll do is I'll hand over to Jay. Uh, first of all, Nomad, thank you for being on. Um, of I'll course. I'll mention that really quickly. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome. Um, I'll hand it over to Jay to sign us off because I'm kind of sick of talking right now. So, take it away, Jay. Okay. Uh, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Waffle and Tailors. Before I do my sign off, uh, Nomad, would you mind reminding people about your podcast and why they should go listen? Because I think it's actually awesome. So you should go listen, folks. But listen to what Nomad's about to say about his podcast. 
Oh, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, my podcast is called The Retro Wildlands, and you can find it on most major podcasting services, iTunes, Spotify, Google, you name it. Uh, we also have a link tree that you can go on to online, linktr.ee forward slash retro wildlands. My podcast is my journey into the gaming wildlands, where I go and find older retro games that I used to play as a kid or new to me retro games. And my podcast will take you through the experiences that I've had with those games. So whether you've played a game before, you'll get to have a nice boost of nostalgia and I'll take you down memory lane with well-timed music and sound effects. Or if you've never played a game before and you're curious about it, I'll tell you all about it. So I would really love to have you in the Wildlands Expedition. So look me up. Awesome. 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 Yeah, definitely go listen to to Nomad's podcast. Uh, I am I am genuinely a big fan. Um, and it was the it was the OG Resident Evil episode. That was the first one I heard, and I was like, this is this is for me this show. So even the games I've never played, I've listened to, and I'd be like, yeah, all right, I'm gonna go play this game. So you're doing an amazing job, Nomad. I have to say. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so you've listened to another episode of the Waffling Tailors. To find out more about us, put Waffling Tailors into your search engine of choice or head over to wafflingtailors.rocks where we have the website, we have the podcast episodes, we have a stream schedule which is currently sat as empty, but as soon as Squidge and I figure out what we're doing with that, we'll put that back in there. If you go to wafflingtailors.rocks slash those hyphen games hyphen we hyphen played, there will be a link in the show notes. You'll find all of the games we have ever mentioned. Squidge always makes fun of me for this, but I have some code which automatically <laughs> detects the games we're talking about as we talk about them and links them all up so for instance you can click on the resident evil 3 colon nemesis button and it will show you all of the times we've talked about resident evil 3 nemesis uh, i.e the original one in the show and you could pick a random episode click it and listen to that episode it'll also tell you how many times so picking a number out there maybe we've talked about it 12 times it'll say resident evil 3 nemesis 12 and so you can click that or you can order the table by uh, most and least mentioned so you can hit most and you can see the top 10 games we've ever talked about i, I will say last time i looked up in the top like 1600 people mm-hmm. so uh, 1600 games so there's a, quite a lot i will say in the top 10 there is an alarming amount we talk about final fantasy 7 um yeah that, that's quite not alarming why is that a lot? I mean, considering how much I like Resident Evil, I'm surprised Resident Evil isn't up there. Final well, Fantasy VII is, so it is quite a lot. Maybe we, maybe <laughs> we need more Resident Evil episodes with Nomad. I don't know. <laughs> I am available. There we go. That, that's one of the folks. You will regret those words, sir. I swear. <laughs> I'll make it my mission that you regret those words. <laughs> Challenge accepted, my friend. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, uh, Squidge, you want me to finish the sign-off? I will still finish the sign-off. Thank you all again for listening to the episode. Thank you, Nomad, for being on the show. Thank you both for trying to convince me to play Resident Evil 3. And um, proactively, thank you, everyone, who's going to watch me attempt to play it on stream when I've figured out how to stream it. Keep an eye on our X or Twitter account, and I'll post on there when we're going live. Um, If you want, you can join our Discord. We're in there. We're chatting every now and again, talking about stuff. I will post the link in there, too. So, yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, just one final thanks to Nomad. Thank you for giving me a reason to eat cake on today, which is your birthday. And I, it could be Wednesday, and that's enough for a reason for me to eat cake. So more of a bigger reason for me to go out and get a big cake and either eat it off this one. So thank you for the justification. You, you, you're <laughs> welcome, and I feel like I've fulfilled my civic duty by staying alive this long. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
That's what we're for. Happy birthday, Nomad. And yeah, if, you're gonna, birthday, if people are going to, if people listen to this and you're going to eat cake, send a photograph of, a, of yourself eating cake to all of our social channels, the Nomad and myself, uh, and ourselves taggers, and say happy birthday with the hashtag happy birthday, Nomad. Nice. That's what we need. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>